this is it. The clues have all led me here, to a derelict house on the outskirts of town. I'm about to kick down the door to a death cult's hideout. No backup. But I have to know. I need to see if I've played this right. I think back. Back to when it all started. Back before I'd ever even heard the name. Frank Ecto, Ghost Detective. I'd been working a pretty gruesome domestic violence case, a murder by arson. Seemed like an open and shut deal, a bitter fiancé offs her soon-to-be wife. Motive was a bit unclear, but the evidence was solid. Or, so I thought. The day after the arrest, mail showed up for me at the station. An address and a name. Said it was a solid lead on the Lacey Derricks case. Odd, since we'd followed our only solid lead and found a strong suspect at the other end. But what the hell, couldn't hurt to check it out. The name matched a criminal we'd picked up a few times on minor offenses, but nothing violent or major. Sent the letter down to the folks in the lab. Probably wouldn't find out who sent it, but just in case. I got to the address listed on the note around 7 that night. Real dump of an apartment building. Not close enough to the nice part of town to be presentable, or deep enough in the bad part to be managed by city government. Some kind of symbol painted on the front door. No kind of hobo code I recognize, but you never know. Not that we've got real old-timey bindle and top hat style hobos running around, mind you. Just some dumpster diving 20-somethings rediscovering industrial age folklore on Wikipedia. Like I said though, this was a symbol I didn't recognize. I snapped a photo of the graffiti door with my phone, then went inside. The place was a real hole. I got a nose full of stale air, that sort of amorphous nothing smell that's almost more offensive than if the place really stank. The apartment number from the anonymous note was upstairs. I probably should have called for backup, but this lead was off the books, and I didn't want my investigation getting stymied by red tape. No way the captain would have wanted me pursuing new leads when we'd already got a guilty-looking suspect in custody. I patted my belt holster to make sure my pepper spray canister was still where it belonged. Of course it was, and, God willing, it'd stay there. I reached out a clenched fist and pounded it against the door. Who's there? City police. Yeah? What do you want? I didn't do nothing. Are you Trent Peters? Who's asking? I'm Detective Caitlin Rhodes. I'm investigating the death of a woman named Lacey Derricks. Did you know her, Mr. Peters? Lacey? She... she's dead? Oh, jeez. How did... how did it happen? That's what I'm trying to find out, Mr. Peters. Can you tell me the last time you saw Miss Derricks? Uh, uh, last week sometime, probably. We belong, uh, belonged to a, uh, uh, sort of social club. We got together every so often, this club, to, uh, play a few hands of poker, shoot the breeze, you know, normal people things. Uh-huh. And, uh, does this social club... Have a name, Mr. Peters? Uh, sure. We're, uh, the Poker Playin' and Breeze Shootin' Club. Yeah, now, if you're done asking useless questions, I, I, I'm kind of in the middle of a thing. 
Sure. That's all, Mr. Peters. Oh. Actually, there was one more thing. What can you tell me about the symbol on the door to this apartment building? As soon as the words got out of my mouth, the door exploded open, breaking the chain. Trent Peters dashed past me in my confusion, and by the time I got myself together, he was running down the stairs, screaming the whole way. I ain't done nothing! You can't pin this on me! Ah! Bail, save us! I ran down the stairs after him. The smell of smoke beginning to find its way into the air. What I saw next will stay with me for a long time. Trent Peters was completely on fire, running into the street, his skin blistering and charring, half the air he breathed burning up in his mouth before it could find his lungs, the other half killing him from the inside. I looked up and down the street. There weren't a lot of people around, and certainly none of them were packing flamethrowers. It looked like my only lead had just gone up in smoke, and I had no idea how it happened. The cleanup crew didn't take long to arrive. We secured the building, taped off the crime scene outside, blah blah, you know. I wanted to see what was up with this guy. What he meant when he said, they all save us. I searched through his apartment. Sparse, not much decoration. Furniture that looked like it was never new. Beds, just a mattress on the floor. An upturned milk crate for a nightstand. And on that nightstand his phone. A prepaid flip phone, not unexpected. One voicemail waiting. I checked the call log. Ten unanswered calls in the past day, all listed as restricted number. I brought up the voicemail and listened intently. Peters, you blessed fool. Did you really think it wouldn't get back to me? You blabbing to Frank Ecto about our operation? Bale save you if we got the ghost detective on our ass. I had my boys in hexes make sure your lips stay shut. You so much as utter Bale's name, and our association will be at an end. I hadn't found much by the time my boss noticed I'd returned. Rhodes, my office. I wordlessly rose from my desk and followed him into the corner office. He closed the door behind us. Okay, I got a barbecue junkie and a whole lot of unanswered questions. So what the hell happened out there, Kate? Hell is right, Chief. I got an anonymous tip about the Lacey Derricks case and I- The Lacey Derricks case? You've got a suspect in custody with solid enough evidence to convict and you're following anonymous tips? Well, I had a hunch. No more following hunches, okay? Oh, and another thing. Yeah, boss. I'm out of the office this week, so you're going to have to pull some extra weight. Out of the office? Sir? Yeah, family emergency. There will be a replacement in, but you know the people here better. Interim's boss name is Lawrence Phillips. Larry's a good guy. We've been friends for years. We've been in this sort of private social club. Old college secret society type deal, you know. One of my longest compadres shouldn't give you any trouble. Anyway, you're dismissed. My blood went cold as I left his office. Social club. Could it be? Not necessarily, but the coincidence is too much to ignore. I'll have to play this little game of Clue a lot more carefully than I'd expected to. Except, I made maybe a little mistake. 
The sub was in next week, and I couldn't shake what the chief had said. So, I followed home the new guy. Yeah, I know. Stupid. I'm heading out, Rhodes. Why don't you get going, too? I'm gonna stay late to finish up some paperwork. I'll luck up when I'm done, boss. But I left right after he did and tried to stay out of sight. I didn't need to follow right behind, luckily. I had his home address from the citywide personnel database. Still, I wanted to see what his evening schedule looked like. His commute wasn't far. took about half an hour to a quiet, upper-middle-class neighborhood on the edge of town. Minivan in the driveway. That'd be his wife's car. Her and the kids are home before him. He didn't spend much time home with them, though. Just 20 minutes after I pull up, he's outside in different clothes and headed back to his car. It's too dark out by this time for him to see me, and luckily the wide street put a decent distance between us. He starts the car as soon as he gets in, then hastily backs out of the driveway. I follow. The drive was longer than I'd anticipated, and in a part of town I didn't recognize. Odd, since I recognize most parts of this town by now. Or, at least I thought I did. The house the minivan pulls up to is kind of shabby, but looks like it could still be lived in. Okay, so what's this little social club up to? I leave the car far enough away not to be spotted. Not many streetlights, and the ones that are around, they're weak or blinky. I'll be covered. I sneak around the side of the house hiding under an open window that's got light flooding through. I listen carefully. You said we'd have the sacrifice ready, Craig. Damn it, you know better than to use real names. And Bale's unholy sacrifice will be ready. Are you sure? I mean, I, I thought it'd be here by now. Larry said... Names, dude! I'd heard enough by then. I moved around the house to the back door and got ready to kick it in. No backup. Hell, no one even knows I'm here. But these psychos say they're going to sacrifice, well, something. Hopefully not a person. Hello, Caitlin. Holy No use struggling, Detective Rhodes. I told the acolytes I'd be bringing tonight's sacrifice, and I wouldn't want to disappoint them. Now, why don't you... As his grip loosens, I twist around to see what's got Larry tongue-tied. And... He's got a sword through him. Larry slumps over, panting, grabbing at his chest where the sword had gone through. Except... There's... There's no wound. My gaze follows the blade of the sword up to the hand holding its hilt. There's a thin man standing at the end of it, with skin so pale he's almost glowing, and the yellowest blonde hair I've ever seen. He looks into my eyes with his, a steel-blue gaze that feels simultaneously humbling and calming. Detective Rhodes, is it? My name is Adrian Cross, and I believe we've got some things to talk about. 